Welcome to the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. It's another solo podcast for me this week. And this week, I want to talk to you about how I scaled and exited my £25 million recruitment business. So a bit of context before that. Um, in 1998, I joined the S3 group as a quite shy, young 21-year-old. Um, S3, for anyone that doesn't know, is a very large recruitment business, uh, three or 4,000 consultants worldwide, One point two billion pound business across 20 countries, 60 offices. Uh, I started off there in a team called Risk or RBR, uh, um, which was just like a resourcing team, but not even speaking to candidates, just calling up, cold calling clients, pulling jobs and passing them to consultants. Then I uh, progressed to a resourcer. (laughs) Then I became a consultant and very quickly I became Computer Futures uh, UK top biller. And then I became the worldwide top biller across the entire group for S3. Uh, myself and my team in that five-year period made them about £15 million. Um, and I really enjoyed that uh, that experience for five years and um, left, set up my own business in 2003. So I set up a business in 2003 with my business partner. We used our middle names as the, t- the name of the business. Uh, really with a with a vision and mission to build out a senior appointments business because that's what I did at S3. Um, and I believe the sort of project program management change transformation piece, anything from sort of 40K up to 200K, that kind of senior appointment, not quite exec level, but that, 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 that rung just below that was a real sweet spot in terms of good quality fees. If you place a good project program change management person in a business, they would tend to give you future roles for the developers and the IT. So we got a lot of repeat business and we kind of cross fertilize. So, you know, a good project program manager can work across four or five different industry sectors. That's what we did. We had we had retail, we had e-commerce, we had public sector, we had finance and it worked. It worked very, very well. Um, so the first, uh, the first couple of years weren't easy. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I was billing 350, 400 grand, you know, even as a, C, a CEO or, or joint founder of the, of the business. And, uh, you know, we started out, I remember um, one of our clients, um, we, we decided, at, you know, myself and Pete, we decided to uh, um, give ourselves pseudonyms. So what I mean by that is that, um it was Chris O'Connor and Peter Bennett, but we also had uh, alternative names as well to give the perception that our business was bigger than just two people. Um, and I was called David Branson and um, I think he was called um, uh, Richard something. I can't remember what it was actually. Um, and we was at a client in, in Cardiff actually. I placed a couple of people in there and I was always known as David Branson. And I remember being in reception and the client was sort of coming into the reception area going, David, David. And I was just sitting there just looking David, it took me like a minute to actually, re- you know, say, oh, hi, yes, hi, it's me. Um, so it's that kind of stuff. And we've been in the client meeting and um, uh, when asked, so how long have you guys been together then? And sort of simultaneously, I said one year, he said three. It was kind of like, we, you know, we made, we made kind of like naive mistakes like that. I mean, this was obviously 20 years ago. Um, and uh, when we started in 2003, and uh, we just had this raw desire, this raw belief, this raw, you know, inherent passion and focus that we were going to, you know, build a great business and uh, having never done it really before for ourselves. So, um, but we, we got through, um, we built out a good contract book at the start, which I think really helped us. 
think that gave us the consistent recurring revenue to enable us to invest back into the business. Um, we started off in a sort of two or three person office in Bristol and one of those offices where you can move and we got to a four person and a five person and a six person. And we had about seven or eight people actually. And we decided to sign, a, I think it was a 6,000 square foot office. <laughs> and um, we brought the five or six people with us and they said, well, so which, which part of it is ours? And I said, no, mate. We got, we got all of it. Like they literally couldn't believe it. It was just like the size of you know a football pitch, and uh, well, that was the kind of belief that we had in 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 who we were and what we were going to do. And very quickly, we we grew the business. Um, we hired a couple of exceptional people. We hired a, a fantastic girl to he- head up our NHS uh, division, and that really skyrocketed. And then we hired some good team leaders, and we hired a good perm manager and a good contract manager. And kind of um, business was built on a foundation of very, very solid process, not asking um, our people to do things we weren't prepared to do ourselves. And very quickly, uh, we played to our strengths, right? So, you know, I had a very, very strong contract background and my business partner had a perm background. So rather than both doing both, uh, we decided to kind of segment the business and I would lead and run the contract. He would lead and run perm. We kind of left ourselves to our own devices Think was important and we didn't kind of you know have a committee meeting about which coffee we're going to buy or you know that kind of stuff and you know any, any of the major decisions we we obviously collaborated on and that worked very very well and um you know we were very proud of the business and you know of its time a lot of people still say it was one of the best if not the best recruiting businesses out there um strengthened by the fact we had 14 industry awards you know three virgin five Jet 100 awards in a row uh, three three star best company awards in a row, and that's you know some people mock awards, but these awards were um, not bought in any way. Uh, we had to go through all the due diligence, all the hoops, and uh, you know everything else that you need to do to get these awards. And uh, they're very proud to meet Richard Branson three times in a row, which is great. Lots of awards for our profitability with it, with the uh, second fastest growing recruitment company in the UK. Um, and we were also voted the fifth greatest company to work for in Europe, which was great. And lo- loads of awards like that, um, which is fantastic. And um, there's a real kind of a real good culture in the business. You know, we worked hard. We, we certainly played hard as well. And um, in Bristol, we built out this this sort of HQ. Um, it was it was uh, we called it Victory House, I think, because the name was Victory House. But it, was, it kind of we walked in and it's like sort of powerful bold, um, very dynamic headquarters with 40 or 50 people in it and just, just people making lots of good money and, uh, you know, very exciting part of the business. And, um, yeah, we, we got to a critical mass of sort of 30 or 40 people. Um, I think we were turning over at that point probably about 10, 12 million quid. And it was very clear to us that, you know, 60 or 70% of our business was, was in the London area. So it made, made absolute complete sense to, um, to uh, open up a London office. We actually went through three different managers. Um, got it, we, we got it wrong with that. We, 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 you know, I think um, where we got it right was, you know, eventually we decided, we, we looked at what we had in Bristol and thought, there's a couple of guys here that would be ideal for that. We offered them the opportunity to go to London and they took it. Then but they knew that they knew our DNA, they knew our culture, and that's when it started London started to grow. And we built out a London office, we moved a couple of times there. Then we then we set up a Manchester office as well. 
and we grew that out. So we had three really, really good functions. Now, our average, our average um, fee on perm was about 12 grand. Average fee on contract, 500 quid a week GP. So we had 100 grand a week gross profit on contracts. Well, it's only sort of 200 contractors. So for quite a lean business, we were you know, generating, um, you know, turning over 25 million odd quid and generating about 8 million quid in fees, you know, 5 or 6 million quid on contracts, 2 million quid on perm. And the business was 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 flying. Um, lots of awards, lots of recognition, uh, lots of promotions. Very solid. Uh, we had a good operations director in there. Um, we had a good kind of underbelly of leadership. So a good seven or eight quality kind of team leaders. A good seven or eight quality principal consultants. We had very very clear career development plans. So we're very clear on our mission that we wanted to grow the business, but. But it really set a horizon. I think that was a good thing. For me, it was like we got to certain levels. And I always wanted to carry on and go, 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 go. I, I would have wanted to take it to three, four, five hundred million quid. You know, I, I had this belief that it would be as big as a Reed or a Hayes or or even an S3. And it could have been that. Um, and we were talking about Australia and different different offices as well. And uh the business was going really well, but um, I think we got to got, got to a certain point where it was starting to become very valuable. We had a good seven-figure EBITDA, 1.5, 1.8 million quid EBITDA. And, um, you know, I was very keen to sort of drive that forward. My business partner reached a stage where I think his wife has had his third child and, and, they, and, and he wanted to go in a different direction, which was fine. So what we had to do then was obviously find a, a replacement or a business partner or certainly a vehicle to enable his exit and, you know, the business being worth 20, 25 million, whatever the number was, um, was great. But I certainly didn't have half of that money because we had 50, 50 shareholders in my back pocket to buy him out. So we obviously had to find a suitable uh, vehicle that would pay him the money that he felt he needed and deserved. And obviously that I could work with as well to drive the business forward. So we agreed that we would put the business up for an MBO or to buy him out and I would stay on. Um, but, uh, and then we went to the corporate finances house and they, they charged three, four, five hundred grand to do this kind of stuff. But before we even kind of went to market, we have, what you have to do is you have to go, you have to get your business fit for sale. You can't just, you know, base it on your, on your EBIT or, 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 or you know, believe you can get a number out of thin air. You, you know, you have to do due diligence and you have to have to understand, you know, the business is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. But there are a number of factors. Yes, it's your profitability, but also it's things like the strength of your management team, your average fee. Um, you know, is your business concentrated in just three or four clients? Or do you have a spread of your business? You know, do you have contract consistent recurring revenue? What's your brand like? You know, what are your debtor days like? What are your operations like? What's your IP like? Um, you know, what, what's the timing like? Is, is there a recession? Is it cyclical? What markets are you in? You know, there's, there's loads of things that you need to consider. We, we ticks every one of those boxes. We had a dynamic leadership team. We had a brilliant client base that was that was that was broad and also deep. Um, you know, we had a great average fee. We had uh, long term contracts. We had brilliant operations, brilliant reputation, all the awards we were on the up. You know, it was a tick in every single box. And before we even kind of went to market, you know, I don't know how it happened. We, we were getting 
offers to, to, to buy the business before we even actually produce what we call an information memorandum, which is like a business brochure. It's only like 15, 20 pages. But the corporate finance people draw this up for us and it's an overview of the trajectory of the business, the profitability, the sales, the marketing, who does what and you know how we built a business and like a brochure that would go out to various parties. But before we even sort of produced that or got that finished, you know, we had a couple of offers. Uh, one in particular was a very, very strong offer um, that actually increased my shareholding, gave me a gave me a, a, a personal fund as well as a sort of gift to, to, to continue to roll the business and gave Peter what he wanted as well. Um, so during that during that phase, you know, it was very difficult to kind of maintain a focus in the business. Peter obviously wanted to exit. I wanted to drive the business forwards. You know, it's very difficult to keep that kind of thing quiet. I, th- I think on reflection, um, we probably could have and should have been a bit more clearer in our communication. Um, but you don't know what you don't know. We've never done this kind of thing before. And I guess it did affect the 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 culture of the business a little bit because people were uncertain as to what was going on. Um, but actually, the whole process was relatively quick in terms of getting the business out there and you know being in meetings with potential buyers so i think i think it was probably easier for peter than it was for me that process because obviously he wanted to exit and have his money which is fine with myself it was it was yes he needs to go for his reasons but then you know who am i going to be left with who am i going to be partnering with i mean we've been working together for 10 years and I, I would have to find someone completely new, A, a to build a, a relationship with, and B, the business would compete with as well. So there was a lot of factors involved in that. And th- th- there was the uncertainty from my side and also, you know, the business as well. You know, um, it, was, it was a difficult and challenging time, I have to say. Um, and um, so the offer that came in was, was a good one. And uh, I, I accepted it and... Yeah, I think I think Peter was happy with it. Um, and before um, that deal was concluded, a couple of days before the initial agreement was ratified, they pulled out, and we're back to back to square one. So that that didn't help the situation. But very quickly, um, and another party came in, and um, you know we, we had se- I had several discussions. You know, and in terms of due diligence, my God, I mean, every single item was left, wasn't left unturned. So um, they checked every single line, every single comment on our database, I think it was. You know, they, they, they literally locked stock and barrel, you know, lifted the carpet and swept underneath it and kind of just made sure there was no, nothing. And there was thousands and thousands and thousands of documents. I remember being in the boardroom of the private equity house signing the, the deal and there was like tranches of, 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 of paper you know 40 or 50 different piles of paper that we had to that I had to sign and sign and sign and sign and the process and the the amount of information that had to be passed and everything else was was very very time consuming and it did distract from the business so um that was a learning curve for me but i think how how was i feeling during, during this um, phase. On one hand, I was feeling very excited because um, the business was already built up to sort of 25 million and we had 80, 90, 100 staff and, you know, it was a robust business. So already very successful. 
the excitement of taking that to another three or four or five echelons up was, was was really was really good. But then also there was the 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 um, the unknown of of these new people coming in and um, uh, how that how that would go down with the team. Um, and I remember um, when I was sort of going through that and the pictures were being taken and you know the the signing of it. It was it was quite uh, a big deal in in the sector, you know, um, and it felt good, right? It felt it felt it felt exciting. It felt interesting. It felt different, it, and it felt kind of right. This this is this is big stuff now. I'm now you know the CEO of the business. I've just done my first ever private equity multi million pound private equity deal. Uh, and I've now got a clear vision and, and, and plan to get it from 25 million to 100 million. And, you know, it was, it was a big, big thing. Uh, this, this age, I was only in my early thirties, um, you know, having, having, you know, uh, being a young, young business owner since the age of 22. So the first year, um, they, uh, you know, they came in and it was a very, very good relationship, very, very structured. So we went from having no board meetings to having monthly board meetings. And I mean, very strict board packs of about 60 pages of, of the summary of the whole business and me having to report on on various different aspects of my team reporting uh, as a collective. And we had a we had a chairman that come in as well and other advisors come in as well. And we had a new FD that came in as well. Oh, so we kind of we kind of grew up as a business, and uh, although you know we were doing very well, this was another level of operational rigor that we weren't used to. But I welcomed it, and I, and I loved it. I learned a hell of a lot. I learned a hell of a lot about private equity during that tra- during that period, around what it takes, what you need to do um, to get a private equity deal over the line, um, the fundamentals, the heads of terms, the, you know, all the, the legalities of it all. So. It was a fantastic experience in that regard, a very good learning curve. And that's going to and has stood me in good stead now as an NED. I'm now advising my clients how to how to build and scale and also exit now. So that that experience uh, has been invaluable. Um, So, yeah, the regular board meetings. So it went from me kind of being in the forefront of the business. You know, we, we were doing things like before the private equity house um, came in, Monaco Grand Prix, you know, VIP tickets in the best part of the track, a phenomenal experience. Las Vegas three or four times, Porto Benus, you know, uh, regular lunch ups and uh, all the usual things a recruitment business does, right? Um, and I was I was in the in the thick of that. Although I was running the business, um, you know, I was very sort of down with the kids as well, which I thought was important, and. Um, but that had to change. That had to change because of the d- dynamic of the new relationship. So, and that's when it started to go a little bit wrong. Because I, I was I was heavily entrenched with things like trying to identify joint ventures and trying to scale the business through acquisition and uh, you know doing strategy meetings and doing lots of different board meetings with with the private XE house and really looking at every single aspect and sort of of the business and I became a bit more detached away from the business um which on one hand you know it's not all just about the CEO and I think it's important that any business another factor for one selling business is that you know if if the business is too beholden on the owners or the founders then there needs to be a succession plan in place but it was more there was more to it than that it, it, it became very 
uh, my mindset changed and my and my 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 fulfillment and my enjoyment changed because it was just a different dynamic and I think that affected the business and I think that that cascaded down a little bit because um, the new people that came in they were they were good guys they knew what they were, what they were doing but they they very it was day one day one for them and I think I think I don't think they 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 grasped the culture and I don't think they 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 really um, were that bothered. By the culture they were more bothered by uh the bottom line which on one hand is important but on the other hand can be can destroy the business because ultimately um the business was built on 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 that culture on 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 our ethoses and on on how we managed and driven and, and developed and motivated the team and yeah i think i think pe- people didn't feel as as as, as comfortable and motivated by by some of the decisions that we were making in terms of, you know, um, the bottom line decisions, whereas before we were, we were, we were, we were aggressively cautious, shall I say, in terms of, we, we, you know, if you felt something was right, we'd just buy it and we'd do it and we'd go for it. Whereas under the new kind of regime, <laughs> um, everything had to be kind of triple checked and rapidified. And it, it, it did, it did, it did affect the culture. So um, after a couple of years of that, um, I decided I wanted to exit the business um, and uh, it came to a head that that needed to happen because, the, you know, I was I was having a bit of burnout. Um, I was suffering with my personal life a little bit and there were some issues within the business that just, just weren't um, conducive to, to, to sort of growing the business. So we, uh, we decided to, uh, to do that and... Um, uh, I um, kind of lost um, a lot of my a lot of my motivation and drive. I was going through a divorce at the time, and um, yeah, I my exit was 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 shrouded in a little bit of kind of I didn't really get the number that I wanted, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I, I walked away with. Probably in real terms, roughly the same as amount as what my business partner walks away with, but over a sort of period of time. So I wasn't overly joyed with the amount of money that I got, and kind of you know probably lost millions of pounds, you know, because of that. Uh, well, I did. I lost millions and millions of pounds. The business is worth probably ten times more, at least, than what I actually got uh, over that sort of two or three year period, year period that I was there. So you can imagine that the kind of my dreams and my aspirations and what I've been working for, you know, from a very young age had all been t- kind of taken away from me. And I was left with, you know, at one point I had seven or eight houses um, and everything else. And uh, all that had gone because of uh, what happened in terms of the legal stuff, legal fees and the divorce fees and everything else. So I was, I was left, um, left bereft and, And hurt and sort of concerned about my future, really, because, um, you know, I, what was I going to do next? So it took me two or three years to come back into the sector. And, I, and, I, and I've done that. And over the last three or four years, everyone knows now that, um, you know, I've done quite well on LinkedIn in terms of building. And that's enabled me to build out my NED portfolio. And, you know, please do look at my recommendations if you don't know. Um, I've got a very robust portfolio of recruitment businesses that I'm that I'm advising um, to scale and to exit. And that experience 
on the whole that I had was phenomenally successful and positive, but there was also some dark times. And I think that's really important. That's, that's really helped me um, to sort of advise businesses on the pitfalls of, 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 of trying to build and scale and exit. So if anything, it was a real, a real gift that, that um, what I went through, the good, the bad and the ugly. And um, so, so now, um, you know, I go into businesses, I work with a leadership team, I build out and define their vision, their mission, their values, their career development plans, their operations, their marketing, their sales, their hiring, the whole piece. You know, last week I was holding a, a big board meeting for a business. The week before that I was, you know, having a, a group monthly business review on all, with all their consultants and going through their KPIs and, you know, going through the minutiae of kind of, you know, how to, how to even close a, close, a, close a client down. So where I position myself now is that um, I've seen everything in, in the recruitment sector, you know, from a, from, a, from a top biller to building out a multi-million pound business to selling it, to scaling it, to now advising other people. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the, the time at the moment. And what I will say is that it's really important to have a mission and vision and values, but it's really important to understand why you're doing what you're doing. A lot of the business owners that I work with, they get me in and that they want me to, to build the business from, you know, five staff to 50 staff or 1 million to 20 million. Um, but I don't really know why. And more often than not, more often than not, it's not about the money. It's more about um, the fulfillment and joy of, of, of doing that. And along, and along that journey, actually, um, uh, enjoying the process of that and I think that people get transfixed on certain numbers and certain targets but they're not built on any foundation so it's understanding the real motivations and drivers and working with the leadership team and understanding what the strengths and weaknesses are as well it's very it's very easy to talk about I want to get the business to this level. Not many people actually get the business to a certain level in the first place and that's just monetary value but that's just not, that's not even five or 10% of it. You, yes, get your business to a profitable place, uh, but also it's all the other factors as well to be able to execute a transaction. And very, I think it's only 2% of recruitment businesses actually get to that stage. So you have to have that mindset, I think, that um, have, have a scaling, scaling up and exit mindset way before you think you should, because the, the cycle can take, I've seen people do it in months. It can take one year, it can take three years, it can take five years. And what you're thinking and feeling now, I speak to a lot of owners and say, well, you know, I don't, I don't ever see what selling in the next three to five years, but you don't know. And then six months later, they think they say to me, actually, Chris, I really want us to, to exit now. So I think get prepared for that. Start putting provisions in place. Look at your operations. Look at your, your processes. Look at your contract book. Look at your debtor days. Start holding board meetings. Start being strategic. Stop just. We've had a good month this month. We've had a good. We've had a good quarter in terms of the top line. Look at all the other stuff as well. Get into that operational mindset. Um, start holding people to account a little bit more. Start looking at the real important business levers and business drivers in terms of how you're going to scale. Look at your brand. Look at your marketing, and get yourself in a position that. You know, if you did want to exit, on bearing in mind, you don't have to exit the whole business. You can do part sale. You can sell some of your shares. You can, you can. There's stuff that you can do. Um, and I think that in this day and age, expect the unexpected. And uh, you know, I think it's really important to 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 understand that um, 
we all love most of us love what we do as a, as recruitment business owners we love you know working with the team and all that kind of stuff but who's to know if you wake up one day and you and you, and you don't like it and you don't love it you know get 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 prepared i think it's really important um be prepared for difficult conversations be prepared for it not being uh, a smooth ride and you know and also i think be prepared to to uh, accept a number lower than what you think you wanted obviously it's important to get the biggest number possible and sometimes you can you can get a valuation that's way beyond your expectations but more often than not you get a valuation from a business the headline number and then, then then they'll send you the heads of terms and the number's slightly different or there's so many different clauses or things you have to jump through that the number doesn't feel right what, what the number should be and more often than not once they've done their due diligence the number can be a lot lower than what you than what you expected so get the advisors around you be realistic you know and it's important to understand that the business is only worth what you're willing to pay but um my plan now is to do this again on a multiple level with the clients that i've got so three or four of them now i'm working with them and i'm holding board meetings and we're on a sort of scale up exit phase of the work that i'm doing with them and um, that's really exciting so if you are really serious about scaling your business and having a vision to exit and actually achieving an exit drop me a line thanks for listening The Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm, contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.